You are listening to the Enormo Cast. To quote old headless Ned Stark, winter is coming, and you know what that means. Yes, it's time to unblock the number of that buddy who was still calling you to climb ice in June last summer and give in to your desire to scream and barf at the same time. Yes, ice climbing season is upon us, and though your fingers are destined to be both frozen and burning at the same time, your feet don't have to suffer so. Sportiva has a full line of Big Mountain Boots technical ice climbing boots and boots that do nearly everything you'd want in the cold, cold mountains, short of apologizing for carrying you up there in the first place. So, if you must bash your feet against ice and snow, then check out Sportiva.com or your nearest high-end outdoor retailer for ridiculously well-made mountain boots, including such legends as the Spantic and the Trango Cube GTX. And remember, when you support Sportiva, you support the Cast. Does your partner suffer from try-it-again syndrome or one-hangitis or even worse, delusional performance disorder? Well, there really isn't a cure for DPD except for a good smackdown, but it does probably mean that you've been belaying them for hours and hours on end and are now suffering from BNP, or belayer neck pain, a stiffness in the cervical spine just below the occipital region of your thick, thick skull. But now there's a cure for BNP resulting from DPD. Ask your doctor about belay specs, and when he doesn't know what the hell you're talking about, just smile and tuck that prescription for opiates away for your next overseas plane flight. But then ask several strangers about belay specs. Ask that cute barista at the coffee shop on the corner about belay specs. In fact, ask everyone you know about belay specs. Keep talking about belay specs until nobody wants to climb with you anyway. Problem solved. But if that doesn't work, then go to belayspecs.com and get yourself a pair. And don't forget to enter EnormaCast at checkout for a discount and to help out the podcast. Side effects may include people thinking you're staring at them when you're not. Old trad climbers rolling their eyes. People putting them on for the first time and saying, ooh, that's trippy. People insisting they don't like those weird glasses even though they've never even tried them. If you feel drowsy, nauseous, or rumbling in your stomach, horny, confused, or have strange, vivid dreams, this probably has nothing to do with belay specs. And it's more likely from that bug you picked up in that backpacker's hostel in Rio after far too many caipirinhas. Belayspecs.com. Say adeus to belayer neck pain. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the... Uh... The Normo Dome, whatever it is, it's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place outside of town. Very That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll see. You really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed having with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, with support from Maxim Ropes. And the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enorma Cast. This is your host, Chris Calouse. It is October 16th, about 10.30 here in Colorado. Creeping in on the dark time. 
And this is episode 138 of the Normacast, a conversation with my friend Heidi Wirtz. And it has been a long and emotional few days here in the climbing world, and I'll speak on this at a later date, but uh, suffice to say that I just want to get right to this one without any business whatsoever. So Heidi Wirtz is an old friend of mine. We've climbed together a number of times. We've expeditioned together to the Middle East, and uh, this one is really much more of just a conversation of two people hanging out and chatting. That's how it turned out. We did get into some of Heidi's background as well. But yeah, we just had a good time chatting. And as I mentioned on the show, um, she was on my previous program. Some of you long, long, long times listeners remember the Off Belay podcast, which existed for a little while before the Enormacast. She was actually a guest on that as well. And I've known Heidi for a long time. I don't know, 20 years maybe, maybe not quite that long. Anyway, let's get to it. A conversation with trad climber, ice climber, expedition climber, Heidi Wirtz. Are you the kind of person who likes things smooth and simple, like wearing tomorrow's clothes to bed or going commando no matter the occasion? Then you might like Black Diamond's new ATC Pilot, a cleanly designed belay device for single pitch projecting with smooth payout and assisted braking for when your climber is sitting on the rope muttering about the humidity slash dryness slash cold slash heat. Lightweight and no moving parts, the ATC Pilot is so simple it once fell in love with a snail. Check it out at blackdiamondequipment.com or better yet, your favorite local climbing shop. And remember, Black Diamond loves the Enormacast. First time I went up there, uh-huh. I was like, you know, it was after work and it was roadside. You know, it's roadside or it seems like it's roadside. Mm-hmm. Every, I knew about some of the climbing up there and my buddy BJ, do you know BJ? Tracy? Yeah. 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 He's like, yeah, let's go after work. So I'm like, okay. And I packed a little cooler beers and, <laughs> and uh, you know, full after work, like chill climbing. Uh-huh. And then we proceeded to go to the highest cliff, like know path oh yeah the notch where they say is super heinous yeah right and so i was like marching up this hill you know completely bushwhacked as to what we were up to with like a cooler in my hand and just yeah and and it took me like two years to go back because the experience was like such a drag yeah because i thought we were like you know going to late afternoon like do a couple pitches drinks well that's what it says in the thing and i'm sitting like i remember in the middle of the talus slope like yeah you know sitting next to my cooler like resting and we're we're like 15 minutes in we're still not even at the cliff yet on a straight up hike oh yeah and i was like this is bullshit i'm not coming back here so well it says in the guidebook that it's the good afternoon after work Crag to go to. So yeah, you would assume you that's would, like bring your beer for and... fit people who care, I think, <laughs> okay. you know, like who just can get out of their car and just like run up that hill. Right. But it's not me. For so. fit people who care. You're a rifle climber. It's cool. Well, yeah. I mean, it is close by. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's super close. It is close. And the other side, that, that thing they call the gash. Oh. Yeah. That's actually, it's. It's, uh, you go in there and it's terrifying looking, uh-huh. but it climbs pretty well and it doesn't, it's not as bad as it looks like okay. Joss wise, huh. like it's this real angular rock. And so yeah. there's all these like kind of blade sort of features sticking out that you're climbing on. And so you, from the ground, you imagine those blades coming down and like decapitating you and, uh, <laughs> they generally don't. 
as far uh. as I know. But the problem with that zone is the hang. It's like this, you're standing on, on like scree, yeah. like 30 degree scree. And it, like people sort of stamp out platforms, but then yeah. the winter snow and ice like cleans yeah. it all out again. That was like the base of what we were standing at. It was yeah. just like, like Indy was trying to like lay on top of where we were playing. We're like, no, you can't. I mean, there was just nowhere to be. <laughs> anyway, the Narrows, Colorado, Redstone. Maybe not the best. Is it red? Technically, it's probably a Redstone. So. That, yeah. 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 Anyway. Anyway. Don't make a don't make a road trip out of it, everybody. <laughs> don't. If you happen to be in town, it's not too bad, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even know about that. It's a nice. I'd rather go to Independence Pass. <laughs> yeah. Well. Hey, but that's a little further away. Yeah, it is a it's little true. further away. It's you true. you went out and, and found out though yeah. for yourself. Now yeah. you know. I bet the moderate climbing there is really good though. That's what gets done. Uh, all right. Well, uh, welcome. We're sitting down finally. So, just a little background is that some of you old listeners know. I'm talking to like the that. I had a podcast before the Enormacast called Off Belay, and for various reasons um, that I will explain person to person over beers anytime anyone asks me, uh, but I'm not going to talk about it on here, it disappeared off the map and off the internet, which is not always an easy thing to do, to get rid of things that are on the internet, but, but we got rid of it, and Heidi was on that podcast she was one of the two or three or four interviews we did because most of it was like banter and we did some interviews and then poof it was gone that was like six years ago at least maybe more because this has been going on for five (laughs) Uh and so it was like probably the year before i started this because it wasn't too long in between that i started this one so anyway welcome back heidi we've been talking about trying to get this done for a while and uh, you happen to be climbing at one of our chossiest cliffs, so welcome to Carbondale. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Pretty psyched. Yeah, thanks pretty for having psyched. me. Yeah. <laughs> and this is one of those interviews where Heidi and I go way back, like uh, at least to the late 90s, I think would probably be. I think um, so. Because yeah, it would have been like. Where did I meet you? It must have just been in, in Crested Butte and through yeah. Rob and Stacy when I was oh, yeah. uh, going to Western. Yeah. I would guess. If, if not exactly then, just slight. Because I was in California before that. Yeah. And I don't think I knew you before I went to California. You didn't? No. Okay. I don't think so. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. Long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. And we've, <laughs> we've climbed together. We've roped up together. Um, hung out together. All those sorts of things. And so now finally you're on the, on the Enormacast. So. Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> doing it (laughs) and uh you know sometimes i find it a little bit of a of a cliche pattern to start with like your origins in climbing Mm -hmm. but for you i think it's appropriate um and and i think i want to kind of start with that in terms of your life back then in crested butte essentially or that area and uh you're because you have such a like you have such street cred I think, or, or you, you will, will determine that, but you were a full on, like live in your car, you know, full on climbing dirt bag for quite some time. I'm still trying to get rid of that, that name actually. Really? Dirt bag. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you were in it, and this is like, yeah. 
There was yeah. no, there was no hashtag van life at this point. Like, no, I wish there was, man. I'd be like famous by now. I what know. the hell? You were like, <laughs> like most climbers of that era, you were living in a Toyota truck. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, yep. you know, yours was actually a little two wheel driver, mm-hmm. which was a little unusual. Mostly people had like four wheel drive pickups Yeah. and, uh, and they weren't Tacomas. Don't get wrong there because that didn't exist. They were just called pickups. Yep. It was a Toyota pickup. Mm-hmm. That's it. No special name. Exactly. The, the, Japanese at Toyota were like, it's a pickup. Yeah, we're not calling this thing anything special. <laughs> but anyway, so talk to me about your start in climbing, um, ending up in Crested Butte, and and how how like climbing appeared in your life. I think in this case we'll start right there at the beginning. Right at the beginning. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, at first I was just a peak beggar. Like that was kind of my thing, just climbing mountains and getting up as many peaks as I could. I'd go hike you know, like the John Muir trail, say in the summer, pack up food for two weeks and go scramble up peaks until eventually I started realizing I needed to learn how to climb mm-hmm. because we started getting on peaks that I couldn't get up. Um, and that didn't happen until the Cascades really though. Cascades, some of those peaks are kind of hard actually. Right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, then, uh, gosh, that was so long ago. My memory's not that good anymore, but <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, started throwing top ropes off things to start, I suppose, with some friends. And we had just like our mountaineering boots and trying to get up things on top rope with, I think we had like a hex and some slings and a rope. And was this in Northern California still? Um, no, actually, I think by this point we had moved to Crested Butte. Okay. Yeah. So we were climbing in Taylor throwing stuff. Well, we did a little bit up in the Cascades of, you know, goofing mm-hmm. around, but then moved pretty quickly over to Crested Butte area. And, the, and when you say we, are you talking about the Royal We? Or are you talking, did Royal like a few, did a few well, people move? Did you have like I was kind of, at that point I was right. traveling with these three guys okay. that, um, yeah, Jazz, Kent, and, uh, gosh, why am I spacing out? Anyway, <laughs> I am, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we, uh, yeah, top rope, lots of things. And then, uh, eventually I bought a pair of climbing shoes mm-hmm. and lost those pretty quickly out of the back of my car. But, uh, but yeah, started that way. So yeah, started top roping things. And then eventually, let's see. I think I bought a little bit more of a rack eventually and started leading things, but I didn't really have a guidebook then or know anything. So I would just look at things and say, Hey, this looks maybe like I could get up it. And, uh, I remember bringing, like dragging a friend of mine at this point, I wasn't hanging with those three guys anymore. I was mm-hmm. just kind of on my own cause they, they were off scrambling up peaks still. And I, I was like, I want to learn how to do this rock climbing thing. Right. So I had my rag. I grabbed some random dude who had never blade somebody on lead before and I just said yeah you just feed the rope out like this this is how I've seen like I didn't read books or anything about it I just Mm kind of figured all this out like from what I'd seen people doing right which was maybe a little sketchy and uh that's pretty typical yeah so this was yeah this was kind of a good pivotal point in my climbing actually because I tried to lead this thing that was wide and I didn't know anything about wide cracks but and I didn't know what it was rated or anything. So I started going up and I put my hex at the bottom of it and started going up it like bear hugging one side of it, like hugging the arete of like, I wasn't using the crack. Right. <laughs> you know? And then, uh, and then of course I slipped down and ripped all the skin off the inside of my arm and my hex kind of wiggled down and caught me though. And the guy caught me 
Really? Yeah. It was so you so took cool. an actual whipper. I took an actual whipper. Like, the, whipper. And if the hex had blown you, what, you'd hit the ground? Was it the uh, only yeah. thing between you and yeah. the Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it might have been the only piece I had. Like, that would have fit in there anyway. So right. I, was, I don't know what I was thinking. I was right. just going to bear hug it all the way up. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't was this really... like in Taylor or something? That was in Taylor. Oh, right. Do yeah. you remember what I it was? I should go back and do that. I don't even know what it is still to this day. Mm. I think it ended up being, I think it's not that hard though, like 5'8 or 9 yeah, or something. Well, still, but still, that like, doesn't matter. Well, I, I bet know. you if you're just climbing the array, <laughs> it was probably I was... like 12. <laughs> Like 12D or something. I know. I was like, I got her. <laughs> but that didn't work out. So, so yeah, um, I went hobbling back into town with my like arm all messed up. And that's when I ran into Joe Malley. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe took one look at me and said, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to at least follow 100 pitches before you're leading. You're right. an idiot. You know, and so... I was like, well, I mean, I don't have anybody to follow around. Right. So I'm figuring it out. He was like, out. hey, I know somebody. Yeah, he's like, I'll take you. Right on. So then he, I got into accelerated program after that and went to the black right away and was horrified down there. I mean, I wasn't leading anything. I was supposed to top rope right, right. for a little while, right. <laughs> follow things. Uh, so I learned basically how to climb in the Black Canyon and Indian Creek and Taylor Canyon. Okay. Yeah. And I think the listeners know enough about two of those that we don't have to talk about them. But Taylor's, uh, it's like a little, uh, I mean, the same kind of, the same, literally the same people who who developed the black developed Taylor. Mm -hmm. And it's just cragging, but it's like kind of like black canyon cragging. Like few bolts, especially then. I mean, there's been bolts since you started climbing there, but in the early 90s, there would have been almost no bolts. All track climbing, some of it run out. Very much, uh, very traditional sort yeah. of place. And what was the scene like? I mean, there was Joe, uh, but you know, it's in the early nineties at this point, what, like 92, 93 kind yeah, of Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. What was the ethic? What was the scene like in a place like Crested Butte for rock climbing? I don't even know. There was like there four was, people. Yeah. There people. was like right. nobody climbing. There was definitely no girls climbing that I could climb with. Right. Um, I mean, there was Joe. There was Rob Van Arnhem probably, but I didn't even know him then. Um, like the people that I would drag out there, yeah, that would go with me sometimes. One time, <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, she's sketchy. I'm not climbing. Seems really dangerous. <laughs> Sorry to those people that I ruined climbing. You know, like <laughs> I was just really excited. Yeah, oh, but they probably never went climbing again. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe not. You're like doing first aid on your, on your <laughs> right? road rash. This is not good. Well, did you yeah. have any sort of like other, I mean, did you ever have anything serious happen to you? Or were you able to, to sort of escape the reaper yeah, in terms somehow, of just luck? Somehow I just got super lucky. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I got really lucky. Yeah, but Joe knows what he's doing. Joe knows what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. Once he grabbed me and said, no more leading for you for a little while then it was pretty safe. I mean, we got benighted almost every time we'd go climbing, but that's just (laughs) because... That was part of his plan. That's part of his thing, right? He's like, we're going to maybe on this one again with this (laughs) young girl. You're like, like, Joe, it's only like 5 o'clock in the evening. we got like four four hours of light left. Nope, got a baby. Yeah. (laughs) Only like a pitch off the ground, Joe. Uh, Come on. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, that's cool. So what do you think it was? I mean, uh, you were this... Peak bagger, uh, so you were an outdoorsy kid growing up, and you did you grow up in Northern California? I grew uh, up in Sacramento. Okay, in Sac. Outdoorsy slash city girl. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've never really asked you about that before. Yeah. Like, yeah. what was what was sort of your like 
what were you like in high school? Like, which kid were you in? In, in high school? Yeah. Like, who, uh, who would we see and if we had cruised into your sophomore year I hung sitting out in with, class? I hung out with all different people. Uh-huh. So I hung out with, you know, from the popular kids to the rockers right. to the whatevers. I didn't really have, like, a necessary group. Right. But I hung out with all of them. Mm-hmm. Seemed like. Like, I kind of bounced around. So what was the impetus then to be outdoorsy? If you, were you like in the suburbs? Were you in the city? What, you know, <laughs> what kind of kid? Like where were you specifically and how did you then become somebody that wanted to even start peak bagging, let alone rock climbing? Right. Uh, well, my family was pretty outdoorsy. Okay. They'd take us camping and right. skiing. And like I started skiing when I was two. Okay. Um, so I definitely... So it had it. It was in, your, in yeah. your upbringing. Yeah. So it wasn't like we lived in a place where I could be outside running in the mountains the whole time right but i definitely got out a lot as a kid mm-hmm. for sure yeah um, and this was sort of that was back when you could let your kids out the door and not worry about them sure <laughs> so we'd be out running to the river and doing right whatever yeah right yeah a different era um, yeah. the same one i'm from really i mean we're we're yeah. roughly the same age yeah are we not I think we're pretty much the same age. Yeah, aren't we? pretty much the same age. Yeah. So we won't talk about what age that is because yeah. you're a lady. Yeah. yeah. And you never reveal your ladies <laughs> never reveal yeah. their age. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm still really young. <laughs> yeah. But so I, I'm just curious, like the arc to, to to get into it. So what do you think it was about climbing then? Uh, like you said, you let your buddies keep peak bagging while you were like, no, this is what I'm going to do. So what was it do you think that? I mean, it really, like, sets you on a life path. I mean, we're sitting right. here now, right. you know, however many years later, right. coming up on 30 almost, uh-huh. and uh, you're still doing it. So yeah. what was it? Well, I mean, I was really into getting up peaks, for sure. Like, even when I was climbing, I'd still, like, run off and go scramble up mountains and mm-hmm. all the time. Um, but uh, I think, honestly, the turnaround for I really want to do this was somebody took me ice climbing. To be honest, like they took me and, um, I did my first rappel ever, like over this frozen waterfall and went into the black Canyon for the first time. And then I just, you know, top roped out. But I mean, it was insane. Like, you're just like, what is going on? Like we just climbed up a frozen waterfall. It's crazy. And I was like, okay, I got to learn how to do this We're a long way from Sacramento. We're a long way. We're a long way from Sacramento. Yeah. And I don't know. It just, it was like an addiction. I just honestly, like how I said, I started dragging people out to blame me and stuff. Mm -hmm. It was like, I don't know. I just wanted to see what I could do. And I wanted to get up things. And I I mean, I would just look at climbs and be like, Hmm, that looks inspiring. I want to try that. Right. Um, It was, it was weird because a lot of my friends were not, they didn't get it. (laughs) Yeah. Like even your climbing friends? Uh, the people I started with. Right. Yeah. They're like, eh. I mean, they still scramble around to this right. day in oh, the mountains. Okay. But they didn't really get into climbing. Somewhere. Right. Yeah. Now, what about this idea of, um, you know, like you met Joe mm-hmm. and Joe being old school with a K. You know, he said, all right, this is what you, this is the path. You don't just run up and lead whatever you uh-huh. have to follow and you have to put your time in and that oh, yeah. you know and i've talked about on the show ad nauseum yeah about 
the way you got into climbing was just vastly different. Oh yeah. You, know, you, you work your way up and yep. you don't like, Oh yeah. You climb five, eight until yeah. you know how to climb five, eight. Right. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you, but you obviously like wanted to jump the gun at least at first. Did yeah. you continue with that attitude? No, no. You, you got into line and you, yeah, I got into line. They, he like whipped me down. He's right. like, no. So yeah, I started climbing. Yeah. Back to easy climbs right sorta i mean i guess one of my first leads was in the creek and it was 510 though okay but it's I, pretty forgiving there it's so easy there to, i mean they're like put in another two right. oh which one's that it's the same one as all of them on your rack I mean, <laughs> right. like, it's like not really like it's not right it's, <laughs> it's just, just any of them <laughs> you're like really i'm all reading them and yeah number two friend that is right that, exactly that's before camelot yeah it was before <laughs> yeah so the classic like <laughs> the number two friend is the is the friendly small hand climb yeah 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 so exactly that guys yeah. get kind of beat up on yeah for sure so 510 in the creek for me back then was probably five nine maybe right well it depends <laughs> some of the five tens then get wide though and then you, yeah. then, then the, the, the yeah. ladies are swimming inside them oh so. yeah but uh yeah i mean it's a little it, it is definitely a, a forgiving place to like because you can always put a cam in unless yeah. you're on some weird route yeah, where you exactly. run out. Exactly. So, but, yeah, uh, but they taught me. I mean, it was good because we learned this is the way you learn in the beginning because mm-hmm. you never fall. Right. And now it's just completely opposite, right. which I kind of wish I had learned that way of just whip already. I know. It took me so long to then take another whipper. And so I just was like stuck. You mean that besides the one on the hex? Yeah, besides yeah. the one on the hex. <laughs> and then after that, like... And then after that... You're like, that's what taking whippers is like? You, you like... Yeah, lose, you're like, you, you lose, lose half your arm and like, it's just like, no, I'm, I'm not, not going to do this do that. again. Never Fuck falling. that. Never falling again. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, again, we'll, we'll play this game during this whole interview, but, you know, that's the same year. I like, and I still have trouble falling. Yeah, I mean, it's like ingrained now to not fall. And I can do it and I don't like pee my pants or anything, uh-huh. but I fight to the last oh, yeah. you know, before I'll take a whipper, especially yeah. on gear. Oh yeah. Like I don't, I don't know that there's a ton of people that'll just, just whip on gear though. Topher. Even now. Oh, Topher. Yeah. He's different yeah. though. Yeah. What's he's, that? I mean, but he, he's still around. He climbs hard. That's I probably know. why. You know? Well, he just gets it all like right. when to do it and he's, he's just not afraid of the gear. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, I guess, I don't know. I just, yeah, I learned too much, like, don't ever do it. Uh-huh. I think st- my first whipper that I took after the whipper on the hex, I com- completely had a breakdown, like, while I was whip, I was, like, in the air crying and landed on the rope, just like, ah, and I was with Joe. I was with Joe and Norm, and they were just cracking up. I was on a first ascent, too. They were, like, they sent me up on some, like, thing. Nice. <laughs> I know. I was like, dude. I was like, this is harder than whatever level I'm supposed to be at right now. Right. Guys. Yeah. You guys are, this is breaking the rules. <laughs> We're breaking, breaking the rules the right rules. now. And now I just whipped and it's just not good. All right. <laughs> but at some point, I mean, so at some point you, you sort of got out from underneath this, this, you know, umbrella of mentorship or whatever you guys want to call it yeah. up there. Yeah. Um, what did that feel like or what did that look like? Was there, Can you point to a few pl- times where you had like a breakthrough and you were like, I'm on my own program now? Uh, well, I was climbing in Taylor still. Okay. Taylor Canyon, which we talked about. Which And if you're going to learn how to trad climb for real trad yeah. climb, that's a pretty damn good place to learn. It's a good place except for that there's no 
intermediate. There's no like, so you climb till five, nine, and then it gets like vastly, well, maybe you can go till 10. Yeah. And then it, like, you have to jump it up and it gets scarier and eventually. Yeah. Like, and that's, oh. I guess that's what I mean. It's not a yeah. good place in the sense of like a comfortable place. Yeah. It's a good place in the sense of hard knocks. Yeah. Like, exactly. You have to step up and exactly. it's. Exactly. You got to you know, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the gear is tweaky and sometimes not there. And, yep. you know, so it's, it's real trad climbing. Exactly. It's not Indian Creek trad climbing exactly. where I just did the, the podcast air quotes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, okay, I'm going to have to climb here and climb above that tiny nut and, mm-hmm. and do the crux maybe above that, you know? Exactly. So, so what happened was I got to a point where I was like, Oh, I think I need to go on a road trip and learn how to climb okay better so that i can come back here because i still wanted to climb there but i just knew that i needed more skills than i had like to make the make that leap leap. into those storied roots exactly like like whiskey what is there some of the whiskey crack and what's the scary one with the heads next to that uh off the wagon on the wagon on the wagon i think on the wagon yeah 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 and that's scary route yeah totally so yeah keep going and Christine's dream yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. So I went, I decided that's it. So I bought a truck, built it out into my home, which was basically build a bed in the back, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> crammed my junk in there and went on the road. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Basically van life consisted of building a platform that you could fit, uh, milk crates under. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. hopefully you had a high enough cab that you could sit up. But yeah, most that, of was that was yeah, deluxe. Did you? Well, you're I little too. Almost yeah, up. like your yeah. head's a little crooked. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I could almost sit up. And I had skylights, which That's was That's the sick. way mine was. <laughs> I could sit up if my head was just like a little crooked. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of deluxe. But now you're still cooking on the tailgate. Yeah. You're like, out in the home <laughs> yeah. other than when you're asleep. Yeah. There was yeah. no van life. Yeah. It was hashtag truck life yeah i don't know why we didn't know Toyota life. like they had I the know, vans why? existed they did exist and yeah. when somebody did have a van you'd be like wow that's, that's really a great sweet. but they wouldn't have it built out it would just yeah. be like a bed in there and you're right. like wow that's so sweet dude yeah. you can sit up i mean like we just <laughs> that's it maybe we weren't that smart yeah. <laughs> we didn't figure well the out. big the big breakthrough <laughs> was the fact that you can most people us for sure can stand in a sprinter oh yeah because that's crazy life from Sitting up to standing up is like a huge <laughs> jump in comfort. That's how the generations of climbing went. It was like yeah. you couldn't sit up, and then you could sit up, and now you can stand <laughs> up. So now it's like, woo! They're wow. soft. Yeah. Like people who yeah. can stand in their rig, like, yeah, no, that's... they're totally soft. Um, <laughs> no, I noticed that with the RV, which I got from you. Actually, that's another thing. Yeah. Is, is Heidi previously owned the, the mobile studio actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, but I when I got that, that was, I never, I skipped from van to little mini RV. And then that's what I realized is that if I can stand up and walk around when it's snowing and raining outside, like that's pure luxury. Oh yeah. Right there. Yeah. You know? Well that's a deluxe. Yeah, exactly. Instead yeah. of having to like crawl out, like, or like change, put your clothes on laying down. <laughs> That's, exactly. That's, yeah. Exactly. And then you lose something under the truck and you're crawling under there and yeah. like, like chimneying around trying to find whatever you're looking for. Yeah. So, no. so you bought this little two wheel drive, uh, Toyota pickup. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and that was a little unusual because uh, uh, the previous, like before the Sprinter, it was a, it was a pickup as we talked before. Um, but yeah, so you built that out and that was, and you just hit the road. Oh yeah. And how were you sustaining yourself? Like how long did you get? 
I mean, how long did you spend just like flat out in this truck? Uh, as long as I could usually, but I would go back for a while back to Crested Butte mm -hmm. and work. And were you like waiting tables up there and stuff? Is that like how yeah, you're making a living? Yeah, I did a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. I, well, I just washed, like piecing it together, washed dishes, yeah. managed restaurants, like did all kinds of random stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, banquets did right. that for kind of a long time. Right. Um, and then I got into like physical labor type jobs for a while too. So I would just work when I had to really and stay on the road when I could. Mm -hmm. So it would mostly be, I mean, in a ski area, it's a perfect setting because you work all winter and then springtime rolls around and you're on the road. Right. And then fall, you have all fall too. And then you go back and go work all winter. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of the perfect scenario if right. you can get in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the thing about it too is if you, it's just a matter of spending time. Mm -hmm. in a in a town and then you have connections and yeah exactly. i mean as long as you're not a total derelict yeah totally you have connections and you can re-up those jobs or yeah get different opportunities yeah exactly so, so i did um, that for a while yeah until i got sponsored i mean that was a long time though when you say a while yeah how long were you think you were doing the sort of seasonal living and it's Trixie, right it was in yeah. your truck yeah yeah i think i lived out of, like i lived out of my car for like 15 years yeah <laughs> It's ridiculous. See, that's what I was talking about. Even that's fucking street cred right there. That's street cred. I mean, 15 years. I know. And like, even when I was going on expeditions, I'd come back and be like, that's my home. And have right. like icicles hanging off of it. I'm like, oh, God. You gotta like shovel like three feet of snow off of it and try so to start it. So ridiculous. Oh, my God. That's so awesome. 15 years. Mm -hmm. Like, look, you know, we, we may or may not get to sort of women and climbing on this interview. Um, but. You were talking when you when you when you said you started and you, there was no women to climb with. Yeah. That you know were serious about it, at least in your purview. Yeah. Right. I'm. You know. I, I got to. I like, mean. I, I could dodge take, like. These, I could these take some of, of the guys' girlfriends out sometimes. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Here, this is how this works. I'm gonna Let's put go. an X in. I'm gonna put an X in. <laughs> I'll probably whip and yeah, just just catch but, just catch me. And then you know to say something like that. So through the '90s and well into the aughts, mm -hmm. you're like just full on seasonal for 15 years. I mean that's unusual for anybody. Uh -huh. Like most people have their. I mean I'm the same way. Like you've got your the height of it, mm -hmm. but it's like more like four or five, six years where you were like really doing it. Yeah. I mean that's proud. Like, who does that? And you just know, were so ridiculous. Right. Yeah. And it grew <laughs> from like Taylor Canyon to going on the road. And then you started doing expeditions as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then that's what really got me to living full time on the road was like, I got sponsored and was able to just, I mean, I didn't really make any money, but they'd pay for me to go on trips sure. so I could live out of my car and not have rent. Yeah. Because it was and gas was cheap back then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Those good old days. Before, yeah. The good old days. Before we knew we were killing the planet with it either. I know, right? So you, you, it's interesting you say, okay, then I got sponsored. Yeah. Um, as if it was sort of like fell into your lap or whatever. But I mean, that kind of dedication mm -hmm. and also if you started going on bigger trips on your own, is that what rolled you into being noticed or did you pursue it? Um, or how much of a mix was it? Because I'm just trying to think, like, if someone like the North Face, and they were the first people in the, and they're, they've been your sponsor this whole time, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was who you kind of got on board with initially. Yep. 
like, I mean, looking at your, like that, like this 15-year commitment to, to being this dirtbag climber, like, I can't see why they wouldn't have snatched you up. Yeah, well, I mean, you still kind of had to do something besides just live in a car. Well, yeah, but I mean, but I'm just saying you were, cl- you, you were climbing all the time. And yeah. so you were obviously getting good at it, yeah. I would hope. Yeah. I mean, you got good at it at some I, point. I got okay at it, yeah. And again, like this is, this is, 50, this is a while ago. How long ago, you think? How long have you been, been on the North Face team, you think? 2003, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah. again, yeah. like we're talking about an era when... You know, to find someone that's that dedicated to climbing, mm-hmm. a woman that, that is that dedicated to climbing was unusual. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And do you think that played into their decision or your ability to kind of work it? Mm-hmm. Or do you I'm think you were, just, sure. well, you were think, just so rad they just couldn't deny? I think it was a series of events, actually. Because, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like, I, I, at that point, I didn't. I didn't want to become sponsored because being sponsored was actually a negative thing. At yeah, that, you're old school. At that point, you're right, like, oh, God, sponsor people. Ah, like, that's just the worst thing you could ever do yeah. is become sponsored. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome because that's, that's, totally that's totally the crew you came from. Oh, yeah. 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 And so, sure. yeah. So now you're all worried about whether you're losing cred with the, with the guys in Crested Butte. Yeah. They would not. Yeah. But so that... They've gotten it, over it. It just... It, it eventually... It, it worked out that... Somebody offered me, like, I mean, I was, I had a backpack with holes in it and my cams are falling out and my shoes are falling apart. And somebody offered me a pair of climbing shoes to take my picture. And so I was like, well, I mean, I really do kind of need a pair of climbing shoes. And so it and there's kinda, like, there's, there's Joe and Norm on each shoulder. Like, don't, like, don't do it. it. Don't do it. But I didn't consider that being sponsored. Right. And then, and then my <laughs> no, friend, you were working I, was, for that. I was working that for was that. That was just pay. Yeah. Pay for, yeah, for just, work. Yeah. yeah. And then it was a wage. And then somebody finally came up to me. Well, it was Lizzie Scully, uh-huh. um, asked me if I'd be in an article. Uh, yeah. And I, I was really not, it. I wasn't that psyched on it. Cause she was like, I want to do an article on women on the road. So this is, comes back to your women on the road thing. Right. Yeah. So, and I, I was not into it. She's like, no, I'm doing it because of you. You have to do it. And I'm like, Oh, well, I mean, you can't put me in magazines. Like, right. that's just not cool. No, it's not. Like, that's definitely yeah. not cool. They'll be, they'll be in the, some basement and crush you throwing darts at your picture. I know, right? <laughs> but I don't know. Somehow I caved. I was like, oh man, I mean, Lizzie's a good friend of mine. She really wants to do this thing. So, so finally, um, I let her do the article and right. yeah. And just then, hoped it wouldn't get there. Yeah. I just hope no one would, would buy see it. it. Up well, I thought it would just be like little teeny picture right. or something like just this little tiny thing or yeah, it wouldn't go through. Right. <laughs> I mean, whatever. but yeah, that went through and then, and then it kind of just kept rollerballing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did they much. forgive you? They forgave me. Oh, that's nice of them. Yeah. Then I think Joe got pretty proud. He's like, I taught you. Yeah, well, that's cool, isn't that? That's usually the way it goes. Yeah, there's this idea, yeah. and then the actual thing is, yeah, you're the you're like the the proud sort of <laughs> prodigal girl that left town and like and did it, you know, did something with the climbing. Yeah, that's totally awesome. Yeah, and uh, yeah, because one of the things, and and this, I know this embarrasses you uh, a little bit, is the Heidi Almighty title. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> was that that article, or was this later? Heidi Almighty. Yeah. Uh, hmm. That was later. Yeah. Yeah. No, I th- I'm pretty sure that was later. Right. Well, that was a name that I had gotten in Yosemite from, I, right. think, I think I got it from Coiler. From okay. Brian K. Right. Because he was the namer. 
Oh. Um, well, the reason I bring up the, the Heidi Almighty thing is because um, at some point, then you do become, you know, you, you, you've let yourself be photographed. You let yourself be put in this article, all of which like tears at your, your roots, your old school roots. You become a sponsored climber and you start to become, you know, a name within climbing, right? Right. So at some point, then you also then become this inspiration. And the article I'm trying to reference was, I thought it was written about by these two women that were climbing in Yosemite and they referenced you in it as somebody oh, that inspired yeah. you. Yeah, inspired I remember that them. article. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Right. And yeah. how they were like, oh my God, that's her. Yeah. Right. And we're going to be like her. Like we have to be like Heidi. Right. So, you know, at what point did that become part of your existence and did it make you comfortable? Did it make you uncomfortable? Were, were you okay with it? Like that I was inspiring people and that like, yeah, you became something of a, of a hero to this generation, especially of women climbers. Right. Right. And the reason I'm asking is because again, this, this whole, like, don't publicize yourself at all. Uh-huh. Then finally arcs into being an actual someone who other women and younger women particularly are like, oh, my God, there she is. Right. Like, you're walking through Camp 4. I mean, you're making, like, uncomfortable faces, yeah. like, as we're talking about this. Yeah. So, have you ever reconciled that, and what do you do with it? I mean, I know you laugh it off, but... Yeah. Um, I'm still kind of shy about it, I think. Right. Because climbing always for me was just a personal thing. Mm-hmm. But I think now, eventually, it, it has come around where I do want to help inspire younger climbers and women in particular to pursue it mm-hmm. and to shoot for higher goals and, and that. But I think in the moment of it, I still was kind of, oh, I don't know if I want this recognition completely. I don't know if I could totally accept it. Right. Yeah. Well, I think you were like, you're a classic in that you were straddling those eras. Yeah. You know, you had one foot in the old one and then, you know, when sponsored climbing almost didn't exist or if Mm -hmm. it did, it was just getting free shoes and stuff like that Mm -hmm. into the, the era of making a living at it. Yeah. And you crossed over from one to the next. Yeah. Because eventually you were talking about how they paid for trips and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, But eventually, I mean, it's, it's, it's a living. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Along with. You do camps and, and you do, you do other things, but, yeah. but it's a living. Yeah, for and, sure. Uh, so can you tell me anything about like in, any encounters you've had with sort of these, these type of encounters where people have, you know, told you like, yeah, this, I started climbing because of this or because of you or like, <laughs> what can you tell me about how to do this kind of thing? Hmm. Well, just recently, actually at an American Alpine Club dinner, I ran into a young girl in the bathroom. Um, it was pretty awesome actually. And she, she started talking to me about mentorship and how they don't have any mentors. And she was so excited and would love to learn more, especially from women like me. And, um, and you were like, beat it kid. Yeah. I was like, yes, I gotta go to the bathroom. (laughs) I got places to go. Get in line, sister. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it honestly, like that kind of stuff nowadays, I'm like, wow, I really, I really do need to figure out some way to help the, mm-hmm. the younger generation, I feel like. So um, actually, I have a meeting next week to talk to 
some folks about trying to start some kind of woman's mentorship program mm-hmm. potentially. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's important because I feel like the mentorship thing has been lost a little uh-huh. bit. And so it is okay for sponsored climbers and, you know, these athletes to take on mentoring younger people, potentially not that a lot of them in the peak of their careers want to do that right. is the thing. Cause they're just climbing. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think it's, I mean, that's what you're doing. You're inspiring people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a point in your in your sponsorship or in being a professional climber where, you know, doing rad shit is important, right? Yeah. And it's not the all-consuming thing. It's not like your check depends on, you know, well, what did you climb this year? But it's an important thing to be climbing like rad stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's a point at which it, it morphs into something different. Yeah. And that could certainly be the something different that it morphs into. Yeah, more, yeah, like taking them through the progression of it a little more than just like one, one-offs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I just think there's a lot of potential for that, honestly. Uh, people are starting to do the mentorship things, like there are some other ones out there, but not specifically for women that I've seen right. necessarily. Um, so we're going to look into it. Exactly. Well, the important thing too that I wanted to talk to you about was the trad climbing. Um, oh, yeah. You know, all of us has that started in that era were track climbers because I, I talk about this again a lot, but there was no 1991, 92, there was no real sport climbing in the U.S. yet. Up, up in, a little bit up in, in Bend, Shelf Road maybe, a few bolts. Mm-hmm. But now I think that, you know, most people get into it in the gym or into sport climbing or into bouldering. And the track climbing thing is becoming this, I think, a little bit of a lost art. Um, and you were talking about how you were kind of the only woman doing it, at least in your community at that point. And I still think it's a little bit rare. Hmm. You know, that being a subjective word. Um, but what's your feeling on, like, again, like encouraging women to become specifically track climbers? And again, like besides Indian Creek, like there's a lot of women climbing in Indian Creek, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I think you move out into a lot of trad, like tr- true hard trad areas. And it, it definitely goes back a little bit in time to an era when it was like all dudes because yeah. I was in that same era yeah. and we were just like scanning the horizon for women. <laughs> like, where are they? Where are they? <laughs> we got a campfire and some beer over here. <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> yeah. Where were the women? Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there are, there's definitely more women that track climb now. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. I don't know. Well, my question isn't why really. It's like, how do you think you or the community or anybody else should encourage that kind of thing? Like, let me ask you this. What do you think the, what's the, what's the sales pitch? Um, The sales pitch of the sales pitch of why do it? Like, why why do you love it? Why would you encourage someone that's just a sport climber or just a boulder to, to break out and do it? Right. Well, because you can climb way cooler, big things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I mean, for me, it's, it's the adventure and it's getting out into bigger terrain and going up big walls and all of it. Yeah. So getting up high is kind of why I got into 
well, it's not kind of why, it's why I got into track climbing. Because I love climbing peaks, and I just want to get up high and mm -hmm. have the skills to actually go up high. Right. So, yeah. Now, but do you think, like, let's say if we put, we put, like, a 10-pitch trad line next to a 10-pitch bolted line, right? Uh-huh. What do you think, what do you think's <laughs> better about the one versus the other? So let's say I'm like, all right, well, I'll get you. Like, you can get high off the ground, but here, look at this route that I found in the Verdun that's, like, totally safe, bolted, and I can yeah. get off the ground there. Or, well, it you depends. know, they're, they're everywhere. Like For me, it's routes. it's what the line looks like. Right. So it has to be a striking line. And to me, a lot of times, the trad line looks a lot more striking than perhaps a blank face, which isn't always true. Right. Sometimes, I mean, I've gone to areas where I haven't trad climbed at all because the bolted roots looked way better. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, gosh, that's, I mean, it's hard to really sell people on something if they aren't into adventure, but it's, it's different movement mm -hmm. and it's more of a puzzle mm -hmm. I would say than sport climbing. Cause sport climbing, you're, you're looking at the next bolt. You're like, I'm going up to that and I'm going to clip it. You know, but when you're trad climbing, you're looking for the next placement and trying to figure out where you're going to stand to put in the next piece. And then you have to figure out what piece to put in. And so it's more of a, it's more of a puzzle, which I enjoy. And there's no bolted roots that go up the black. No, that's true. You can't, there, I mean, it is limited. I'm just saying it's limited. <laughs> it's kind of limited. Yeah. It's kind of limited yeah. where you can go and do big, long, like yeah. all bolted roots. Like you roots. can't go to Yosemite really and do long no. bolted roots. Right. So, so, um, I guess I'm kind of trying to like dig into the mental part of it, um, for you and why it is that for whatever reason, the chasing grades, which goes with, with sport climbing. Mm -hmm. Um, although, you know, occasionally you, you like buckled down and, and tried to climb a hard sport route, uh -huh. but why that didn't appeal to you versus track climbing. Cause the one thing I'm always curious about, or I'm always, I always remark on is that the, the chasing of the grades has to go out the window a little bit with track climbing. I mean, you still do it. You still want to climb harder and you want yeah. to try these hard things. Yeah. But that's just because they look cooler. Yeah. A lot of times they do. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. I mean, that's just the truth. Yeah. But, but it's not, again, it's not about the grade. Yeah. You know, and, and literally when you sport climb a lot, you're just, Honest, I mean, I've gone through the book myself and rifle and been like, I need a new 13A to do. And yeah. I'm just like, yeah. oh, I haven't done that one. Yeah. And I go look at it and it's like, yeah, it looks all right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about the grade, like yeah. pure and simple. Exactly. And so is there something in your personality? Is it back to that peak bagging that has kept you away from that? Or, or are you sort of a relentless grade chaser? Do you worry about how hard, how hard a grade you're climbing? Uh, I mean, to some extent, I like to be strong so that I can get up stuff. Right. Um, but the track, gosh, why do I like track climbing so much? It's just so much more interesting to me. And the lines look so much nicer to me. It's like this big, beautiful, long crack that goes all the way up this formation. Right. It's like, how could that, that looks so cool. <laughs> um, and I think, I think to some degree, I do like suffering a little bit, uh -huh. which I think you have to have a little bit of if you're going to become a real trad climber because you're stuffing your body parts into cracks and twisting them until they hurt so that you can make upward progress. Right. So you have to be a little bit into that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you that think that's sense. a barrier? <laughs> to, for some people? Yeah. 
Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. But once, I mean, gosh, it's just so cool to get up high though. Mm -hmm. And so, to, I just love all the gear too. I love like playing <laughs> with the gear. <laughs> I do. That's cool because it's, I mean, it's, it's something that like, actually, I think I've heard, you know, sort of peer sport climbers make fun of mm -hmm. the fact that a, we have to carry so much with tri climbers and yeah. be like the obsession with it all. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the lining it up and taking pictures of it is right. like where it starts. Right. And anybody who's like, who gets a big enough rack is eventually going to line it up and take a photo, and take a photo of it. Like yeah. that's just part of like the deal. Oh, yeah. They're going to be planning for some like week long trip and they're going to like line oh, yeah. it all up and shoot. Because picture. it looks cool. Yeah. Like a rack of draws it's doesn't all, look that cool. It's no. just like a rack of draws. Like it's not that big of a deal. And plus, and also another point of that is like, if you're climbing a sport route, you can get down from anywhere. Right. And that's the, with trad climbing, it's, you kind of are climbing into the unknown a lot of times. Right. Like you don't know if you're going to be able to do it. In, I mean, you to, to some degree you do, you're like, okay, this is a 510. I can almost always get up a 510. So I'm probably going to make it up there and maybe I can throw a cam in if I can't, but you're not going to leave your cams. Right. Well, the thing, <laughs> the, the thing about what you just said is that there is more of an unknown in that with sport climbing, you know that to probably, unless you're like, there's some places where this isn't entirely true, especially on the easier routes, but it was bolted. It's ready to go. It's going to be relatively safe unless yeah. you fall, like get into the first bolt or whatever. Yeah. Like it's been set up for yeah. you to have a nice time on it. Yeah, exactly. Most of the time. Yeah. That was right? the problem with today. I was like, we're sport. I don't really want to die sport climbing. This is not okay. <laughs> I have this thing about that. It was sport really? climbing. Like, You're like, this is sport climbing for fuck's sake. Who put, what? Who put this root up? <laughs> If I was track climbing, it'd be totally fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was because of what you left the ground. Your preconceived notion exactly. was that this is going to be this is like a walk in the park. Exactly. Yeah, it's whatever. Exactly. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I get yeah. it. Yeah. And that actually yeah. is a frequent mm -hmm. uh, feeling up there as well. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, that's what it means is with, even if it's a one pitch track climb, unless you've got like just the pure best beta or the best description, you, you know, there's this feeling of like, okay, well, there's, is there going to be a point where I'm not going to get gear? Yeah. Is the crux there? Is it's not, yeah. I mean, with a sport climb, especially a modern one, you know that you're going to clip a bolt before the crux. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. just the way it is. Exactly. Like it's set up for you. Yeah. So yeah, that, that kind of excitement. What about, um, we're doing really good by the way. We're getting close to being done. Yeah. We have um, to talk about earth player too. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. That was the whole reason of this. <laughs> Well, let me ask you a couple questions because this is always something I go with um, in terms of fear. Uh, because you just talked about the discomfort of track climbing being yeah. a bit of a barrier, uh -huh. um, specifically crack climbing. Yeah. Let's, let's say that. Um, but the fear is also a bit of a barrier where you just kind of said that that's part of what you like. Uh -huh. Because you can call it unknown, yeah. but that's, you know, the unknown is what then starts to like bubble up yeah. the nervousness and the, yeah. but you like it. I like a sense of adventure. Right. Yeah. And how are you in terms of, well, where would you rate yourself in terms of like the bold, like fearless climber? Well, when I was younger, I was super bold. 
But were, were you dumb or bold? <laughs> Maybe a little bit of bold. Because <laughs> that's pretty really typical. Pretty like, a little bit like of bold. Like Hayden says. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I've gone... you're going to be bold, you better be stupid or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was pretty ignorant. Mm-hmm. I thought I couldn't get hurt when I was... Well, you survived that I fall survived. on the head. It's like, I know. that was it. Yeah, I was good. And then, yeah, I was pretty darn bold for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I go, I think, I feel like I go through phases of it now mm-hmm. where I'm like bold and then not bold. It's interesting. Yeah. So I would say that I used to be a pretty bold climber though. Right. Yeah. And you've mellowed. And I, I, I've kind of mellowed a little bit. It happens. No, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> it just happens. It yeah. happens. It's not a yeah. guy girl thing. It just happens to yeah. all of us. Yeah. You just know too much. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, exactly. You have too many memories of at least even or taking bad you. falls yeah. or whatever, like ripping gear. Like I've like ripped almost an entire pitch, and I'm like, if the ground hadn't have been missing on this tower, I would have hit the ground. Like it was like, the first pitch. So what do you mean the, the ground was missing? Well, it was like a tower, so I traversed around. Oh, so you were like out over. I was out over like an abyss, and then I climbed up for who knows how far and ripped out like I don't know, almost the whole. Where pitch. was this? It was on uh, Dream Speaker Tower in. Uh, oh yeah, in yeah, Arch Canyon. Arch Canyon. Sick. Because I ripped a hold off, and just right. like my the, and that the rock was just like. Yeah. Poof, I was like, uh oh, and then this little <laughs> this little TCU held me, <laughs> and if not, I would have fallen onto my Blair, which was a button head or something, you know, like around the corner. Uh-huh. So I'm just dangling there in outer space, like oh. Did so. you guys finish it? We did. <laughs> you just like. <laughs> Pulled yourself back up there. You're like, ah, and then I put in we'll like 50,000 more pieces. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You didn't fall again though. Huh? I didn't fall again. Well, I already ripped the hold off that was coming off. Right. So yeah, that's not the best rock in there. It's a little soft. It's, it's not, soft. it's not Wingate. It's a little soft. Something else. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so have you had a lot of those? Uh, that was I mean, probably like the a nine lives climber. Have biggest. You, have you like nine lives uh that that maybe was the biggest one mm-hmm. i mean i've more of my things have been like getting almost getting hit by rock fall in the mountains and stuff like that right yeah, right. yeah. Well, that's good yeah i mean not but that I, that's good but it, that's like objective that wasn't because you blew it necessarily yeah. yeah yeah most of it i i haven't really taken any super crazy whippers i don't think have you i mean have you ever really hurt yourself climbing not i mean besides use injuries besides like Right, your, your joints out Mm-mm. and stuff. No, like you've never gotten hit by that rock. They just which is crazy. You. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Were you on the trip with Lizzie when she got hit? When she got hit, uh. Uh-uh. It was in Pakistan, I think. No. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, okay. I wasn't on that one. Yeah, but I've been with her when she almost got hit too. Right. It's just yeah. It's no. a little bit. The mountains the are a little bit different. Right. Yeah. You so, kinda, you do have nine lives if you right. make it back from the mountains and you've gone in bunches of times. <laughs> sure. No, I, I mean, every mountaineer talks about that, those odds yeah. games, yeah. just going back and going back and yeah. going back. You're asking for it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So you think like back to my original question that you were, you're pretty good <laughs> with fear and yeah. you were better in the past. Oh yeah. 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 I was definitely, I've gone through phases of just like, wow, I can't believe I was that brave. Right. But where I was that dumb. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and do you, again, do you think that's a barrier for, for people? Um, the fear thing? Yeah, the fear oh, thing. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, like Arno's stuff is so popular, learning how to deal with your fear and mm-hmm. falling and all that. It's a huge deal. Well, he, it's interesting you said that 
that you, one of the reasons you got, have gotten more scared or less fearless, however you want to put it, uh-huh. or we have, uh-huh. is, is that like you have, you, you've had some of these experiences yeah. that are now lodged as these, as these uh, reference points. Mm-hmm. And so like now you have to fight against those, yeah. those memories, if exactly. you will, but they're more than, they become more than memories. They become these, uh, um, these frameworks on which you base experience. Yeah. And so if you can manage to get through life without all those close calls, you can, you probably still be fearless. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah. But then you also see other people having experiences. Right. Or yeah, you're cleaning up something that horrible thing that happened next to you or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's not just like, I don't think it's just straight climbing experience. It's just life experience. Yeah. Because the one thing I always say is that you understand consequences Mm -hmm. as you get older Mm -hmm. and not just consequences of taking a climbing fall, but consequences in general Oh yeah. of like, if this, if I make this decision, these are the things that can happen. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, it becomes way more complicated to, to break your leg to, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Like even walking through the talus today, you know, we're like, I don't feel like I have the coordination as much as like, right. like, so if you hit a loose one, am I going to stick it? Like right. when you're younger, you'd be like, Oh, whatever. And you just bounce off a few of them and <laughs> Your bones are all brittle. Yeah. And you're like, I might eat it and break my tailbone or something. Right. And then I can't work and then I lose my house and then shit, you know. That's what I mean by consequences. Like you, yeah. you, you go have, down you the road more, further. Like, yeah, when you're like young, you have nothing. Minutes. You're living yeah. out of your car. Yeah. You're like, oh, whatever. Right, like right. nothing's going to happen to me. No. It's totally fine. <laughs> Luckily, I think most of us that keep doing it, we more than the average person, we still have, we're still able to like, to, to, like say fuck it in the end yeah you know what i mean like yeah. we go a certain distance down the consequences but yeah. most people go so far they never leave the house mm-hmm. or they're not going to take any risk at all right at least we can like all right fine this i'm fine i'm not going to fall in this talus yeah exactly it, it is a yeah. mental process yeah. to get there though when before you just like charge down the talus yeah yeah so yeah. we talked about being a professional it started as like you know free shoes and a little bit of money for trips became a profession where, where it was paying your bills. Mm-hmm. Um, is that like totally sustainable now? Or what are you doing now in terms of, of adventure of keeping the lifestyle going um, in that arc that we were talking about? What's going on right. now? So I started a adventure yoga retreat business Okay. called Earth Play Retreats. Right. And, uh, I get the, I get the, uh, I'm on your email list or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope you are. <laughs> um, so yeah, we take people on fun adventures and when did the yoga start? Oh man. I've been doing yoga as long as I've been climbing. Oh really? Yeah. You're OG yoga too. So that's awesome. Yoga, so Cause yeah. that, I mean, 1991, like yeah. there was not like yoga studios on every corner yeah. in Boulder yet. Yeah. Not yet. How did you, well, where did that come from? Uh, in Crested Butte. Really? Started with Jill Barr. Okay. Learning how to do Ashtanga yoga down in the basement of a, the high school there. Huh. Or was it the elementary school? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I just got, I got addicted to that as well. So in between climbing, I was like running off to do a teacher training over here or study with this guy over here or doing various things. How did it, for you in your mind, mm-hmm. um, how did it fit with climbing? Uh, well, I had to do it because my, I started having really bad sciatica problems. Okay. So mine was more like a, you have to do this or else you're not going to go climbing. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. 
So I went to a, um, an acupuncturist actually. And she told me you can either just keep coming back to me and we won't necessarily fix it, but I can make it feel better or you can start doing yoga. Right. And so I just, that was it. So I started doing yoga and then I got pretty addicted to it because it turns out once you start doing it, you start feeling good. And then if you don't do it, you don't feel good. So you're like, Ooh, this is pretty awesome. What about mentally? Uh, the breathing definitely helps. Yeah. Yeah. And clearing the mind. Yeah. So you think it, it translates? I think it does. Yeah. 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 In fact, I just did a last year, a yoga for climbers series, um, for AIM media. Okay. For climbing magazine. Where can, is that, oh, it's in climbing. Uh, it's yeah, you can get it online. Okay. Yeah. You just look up yoga for climbers, Heidi Wirtz probably, and it'll pop up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me, go back to this, uh, to the, the retreat. Yeah. What so, is it just yoga climbing? Is it like a mix? What a, are we it's talking a mix. about? So it depends on the location, but we usually have, well, we always have climbing and there's always yoga. And then sometimes we have acro yoga and slacklining and surfing. When we go to Puerto Rico, um, we're doing one in Cuba this winter. We do one in Moab. We do one in, uh, did I say Puerto Rico? Yeah. 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 Did the, did the, the politics fuck up your Cuba trip at all? Uh, are you, guys still good you know, what's go? interesting is, yeah, I, when it first all, when, yeah, Trump started messing around with that, I was like, oh no, here, this is just one more thing. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway, but, uh, but yeah, it, I think it's still going to happen. We're right. just trying to figure out how to, make it totally legal. Right. right, Yeah. Which I think actually I figured it out, Okay, but it's just some things I need to go through. Right. Yeah. Cool. Where does people, where do people find that? The trips? Yeah. Uh, earthplayretreats.com. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they've been pretty popular. Yeah. Selling out. Yeah. They're always selling out, which is cool. That is cool. Yeah. It's super fun. It's fun because then I get to share what I love and I get to travel with these awesome people. I've had, I mean, everybody that has come has been so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's super fun. Well, so again, like a stepping stone for this professional life that you've lived. Yeah. You know, and yeah. if it seems like that could be a platform or a type of platform to do the mentoring programs too. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I want these trips to become more, yeah, like they have a program to get into them and then you know, have follow up afterward. And so it's going to be more than just the trip as well. Yeah. Because I could keep jumping back to that follow up thing. Yeah, exactly. And that like, even when I was guiding, um, that always felt like the thing. It was like, good day. You know, we had a, we had a nice day or we had a nice week and And we'll never see whatever happens out there, you know, don't die. But the follow up seems like the, seems like the place Mm -hmm. where, something that's sort of institutional or not institutional isn't the right word, but it's a professional, uh, a professional, uh, relationship could then become something more like mentoring. Exactly. You know, whether it's yoga or whether it's climbing or whether it's training or any of those sorts of things. Yeah. And obviously people have figured that out because of these, these online training things already are, are doing that. Mm -hmm. But where does it become online training for like specifically for track climbing? Right. I'm going to have to take this part out because this is like, we're on the cusp of this. This is your thing. Uh. 
Someone's going to steal it. Don't steal it. <laughs> Don't steal it. <laughs> it could be your thing. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, awesome, Heidi. Thanks yeah. for sitting down after yeah. all these years. It's awesome. Thanks and, for having me. And uh, I know it embarrasses you, but I know that uh, you're an inspiration. You're an inspiration. You've been an inspiration to me at times. And wow. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, I mean, again, like you you've done you've done the work and like lived the life and mm -hmm. and you know went through all the stages and earned everything that you've gotten out of like being a professional climber well thanks and that's that's the one thing i always think about when i think about you know the flash in the pan sort of like type folks and then i think of you who like earned it <laughs> you know thanks. and that's pretty impressive so thank you thanks for being on the show and uh I'll make sure and link all this stuff and people can find, uh, find your, your earth, say it one more earth time. Play retreats. Yeah. People yeah. can find earth play retreats, whatever. If you, if they Google you, they'll find all this sort of stuff. Yeah. The yeah. Google's amazing. Yeah. Google's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks Heidi. Cool. Thanks so much, Chris. That was awesome. <laughs>